Hey y'all, if you are a Patreon supporter, you can get the live video of this episode, including all the goofy preamble before the show starts. If you aren't a supporter and you want to see this video, you can become one at patreon.com slash femfreak. Michael's here. What? How? She guessed this is about go. The Federation has no authority here. I didn't think she'd risk it. She's going to try to buy the Iceland out from under us. I doubt she'll have enough to get a sandwich, seeing how that's going. She always finds a way. So if you can manage to help find the cheetahs ASAP, I'd appreciate that. Does it look like I'm having fun here? Welcome to the Feminist Frequency Star Trek Podcast. I'm Anita Sarkeesian, and this week we're talking about Star Trek Discovery, Season 4, Episodes 8 and 9. Returning guests, uh, the, the duo, the team, the tag team, the, I don't know, whatever, I got nothing, is Ali Matu, a real-life psychologist who fell in love with psychology because of Star Trek and now shares everything he knows on YouTube. Hi. Hi, Nina. I am <laughs> so psyched, no pun intended, for this reunion. I miss I miss you all. And the reunion is with Bobak Ferdowsi, NASA engineer that doesn't understand why there aren't more engineers. And then I stopped writing the bio because <laughs> yes. we were going to write it together. <laughs> I think that it was more engineers on Star Trek. I mean, I feel like there, there's not enough engineers. There yeah, used to be. I, Just like in yeah. general? But now Stan... Well, I mean, like, like Stamets isn't much of an engineer. He's a, he's a scientist, right? He's a mushroom yeah. expert, isn't he? Yeah, he's a mycologist. I feel like he, <laughs> I feel like he's a whatever the show needs sciency yncy in the moment. You know, I think he's yeah. that guy. Um, I would just like all of our listeners to know that it is currently nine thirty p.m. <laughs> it is about <laughs> I don't know. 30 minutes away from my bedtime. We are all extremely loopy right now. So this is going to be like Star Trek After Hours where it probably won't <laughs> be very coherent. I love it. Yeah, I think Discovery is going to make more sense right now at this uh, hour we, of the day. We just spent about 20 minutes trying to make our setups look good for each other <laughs> so, <laughs> for no reason for an audio so podcast got going on. for an audio podcast for an audio podcast yeah. which yeah. you know maybe the patrons will get this video because we worked so hard to yeah. make it look delightful all right okay so we just had star trek discovery season four episodes one through seven and then we had a big ass break and now we're back. And I think there's like one, two, three, four, five more, five or six more episodes left. Um, so we're like, you know, more than halfway through this season. What are you, where are you landing on season four? How are you all feeling so far? I just watched the whole thing I mean, to get ready for this. So I thought it was a slow start. I, I mean, I really struggled to figure out where the season was going. Um, but the last couple episodes, I, I thought were actually more exciting, at least. There's a little, little bit more on the line. So that's kind of fun. All right. I don't even remember. Um, Anita. You feel like I don't remember the show at all. <laughs> I, I, I remember um, when you emailed us and you said, hey, there's going to be a delay. I remember being so frustrated because I was so into it. 
Um, I was really enjoying. <laughs> Clearly not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was really enjoying having Star Trek Discovery on my Wednesday nights to look forward to, and having this just like this burst of Star Trek in the middle of the week. Um, there's a lot I I, I remember liking about the season, um, but there's not a lot I remember. I remember. So um, I I like I remember it being very cinematic and really loving that. Um, I remember the uh, the season premiere was just like gorgeous and beautiful, and it looked like it it, it was filmed like a like a movie. I love the new uniforms, uh, the the gray colors at the end of last season were a little kind of bland, and I love the pop of color. Um, there's been a ton of mental health. My goodness, dude, I that's actually I was so excited yeah. to for you to come on because that's in my notes of like, isn't it amazing? It is. Do you love it? I I love it. I love it. I love it. Great. I love I it just, so much. Um, I one of the things that I have been so frustrated by is like how we've got like such advanced medical technology. We've got dermal regenerators that just heal away your cuts and stuff like that and we've got like we can like rebuild your backbones but for most of star trek therapy has been stuck in like freudian psychoanalysis and then there's like one episode where counselor troy introduces plexing which is like this tapping technique behind your ear which seems so stupid to me um so we've seen like such a primitive form of mental health support and care um and you can argue that we've seen f good friendships and support in, in other ways but traditional mental health is so lagged behind and and star trek discoveries actually like made these big leaps forward starting with admiral cornwall i think it's cornwall cornwall or cornwell i'm not sure but uh, audience, let us know. Um, um, she was a psychologist who became an admiral in, in season two of Discovery. Love that. And I here. I can remember season two of Discovery. <laughs> I, right now, Anita, I remember Apparently season two. You remember that. <laughs> and not anything else this season. <laughs> um, but seeing um, Culber being such a great, um, great source of support in this show. I mean, look, th this crew has lost everything, their connection with their homes, with their families, they're in a different world. So you know there's stuff to deal with here, and, and they're kind of dealing with it. Um, so I love that. But I, I also love how um, the doctor here is experiencing some compassion fatigue, some vicarious trauma. He's going through some stuff. That's something every mental health professional right now is going through, having lived through COVID themselves and supporting other people who are going through this. So I love that. And then the, the last thing I'll say, because I could go on and on about this, but the last thing I'll say is Discovery is showing us one of the most important mental health skills out there across all conditions, which is social support, being there for someone else in the way that they want to get support has been shown to be one of the most critical skills any of us can uh, can really utilize to, to help ourselves through tough times. And they're doing that. They're doing it consistently week after week in different ways. I love it. I could go on and on, but I'm going to stop and I'm going to I'm going to sip some of my tea. Yeah. It's something that I've noticed um, and I've been so delighted by. Uh, but, you know, I, now that you're talking about the technology, I, I remember um, there's this uh, uh, 
scholarly academic that does a lot of work around Francesca. I'm totally Francesca Coppa, mm. um, who does a lot of work around um, pop culture and acad- whatever. She's brilliant. She's wonderful. She's I remember years and years ago, she did a talk um, and she played a clip from the. Um, oh, my God, y'all. The movie, the bad movies, the Abrams movies. And it was like, you know, the beginning is like, you know, the woman going into birth and blah, blah, blah. And she's screaming and it's like, you know, traditional child labor. And she just like, why can't we beam the baby out? I don't understand. Like, why would we still be giving birth? And I think it's a similar, which was mind blowing to me at the time because it didn't occur to me to think of things differently like that. Right. Yeah. And I think that's a similar thing to what you're talking about, where it would be interesting to watch them tackle mental health that is more, I don't know, chemical, right? Or things that are about, like, that people might take drugs or some kind of, yeah, that might take drugs to be able to deal with, whether it's anxiety meds or any kind of sort of disorders around that sort of thing. I don't know if disorder is the right word. But, but like, like, is there advancements that could be done in this universe to model that, like, the same thing you would do with healing a wound? Yeah, right? I mean, this is the kind of stuff that... I think, th- I think that'd be cool. This is kind of stuff NASA's already working on, now that this is my territory, um, when it comes to today's podcast. But, you know, um, simple things like proximity sensors on crew members that indicate if one person on the crew is self-isolating more than others. Like, can we tap into loneliness and depression before it starts impacting someone so that the crew and the mission are not compromised. Like there, there's a lot of great ways in which you can use technology to apply psychological science in a way to capture problems before they really start playing out in big ways. And Star Trek's really lagged behind this. Um, I think it's done better than, than something like Star Wars. Like if you watch um, Star Wars Revenge of the Sith, the whole movie I think is like an argument for good prenatal care like how the heck did they not know this this person had twins and like got no medical care and then she dies of a broken heart like science fiction come on like let's have <laughs> better health care like you have lightsabers you have transporters we can be some us babies the out. fantasy of health care yes. of actual you know we don't have it so let's just imagine <laughs> at least in our fiction having health insurance i'm not health insurance but like adequate health care yes um all right let's get into these two episodes <laughs> so again might I remind everyone that it's late and I didn't prepare. So the descriptions and the synopsis are really aces right now. <laughs> Episode eight, all in. Book and Tarka go rogue and end up at a planet looking for isolinium to power their destruction device. Michael and Owu show up and they play space poker together. Yeah, that's kind of what happened, right? Yeah. All right. Episode nine, Rubicon. Michael goes after Book and Tarka. She finds them. They flirt with torpedoes. And then it was all for naught anyways. <laughs> How's that for a summary? Okay. okay. Love it. Yeah, great. Good job all there. right. Um, as I have been doing with this podcast, I end up watching both of these episodes like together. And so they're kind of mushed in my brain. But like, you know, let's try and start with um with eight. You know, what how Book and Tarka go like the so we end we end seven with like there's this tension between Michael and Booker and like they go off and it's it's fucking heartbreaking. And I think the thing I'll say about 
<clears throat> both of these episodes is the tension between them is so heartbreaking because I like I've been rooting for them. I think they're wonderful together. Their relationship is delightful. Um, and I really liked how they added these little bits of like levity of like, I know you. Um, like we know each other and we can, we are like kind of in sync so much that I'm going to follow you to the ends of the earth and I'm going to know where you're going. Like there's, I really, the, that romance, like the love story part of that, I thought was really sweet and, and played out in a way that was both very tender and very heartbreaking. I, I, I'm not quite as sold on that relationship, but I, I get where it's coming from. I mean, it's better than fucking Tyler. Do you remember him? What was his name? Tyler. Oh, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Klingon oh, Tyler? I hated him. Oh, so yeah. Much. Yeah. The yeah, Klingon. he was terrible. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, well, then we, I'll go a different direction. So, <laughs> no, I, I mean, what, um, I, <clears throat> I really love that poker game. Um, they, they, they really get each other. You see that they've been through stuff. Like I, I, I buy their relationship definitely far more than Tyler. I, I, I really enjoy all the scenes of them together, and it's really, um, it is heartbreaking to see them um, on these different sides. Um, yeah, I, you know, I gotta say, I th- and I, I kind of might be getting this energy from you, but like from both of you a little bit, but like. I so I think like the first season I really hated like the first two seasons mostly I really hated it wasn't until season three that I uh, like was like oh I feel like they're finding their footing and in season four like there are things that I really like about it but I'm not excited like these two episodes like I wasn't really excited by them you know and so like I'm having I'm kind of like yeah let's find something to talk about but they're not really riveting me in the way that I think some of the other episodes did or the way that like some parts of season three, because this one feels a lot like, and I've said this before on the podcast that it feels a lot like the same overall structure as season three, right? It's Mm. there's a big thing and a mystery and Oh my God, somebody's causing this horrible thing and you know, whatever. So there are doing it differently. There is room for like, who are these people? Who are these aliens? What's going to happen here? Like, you know, prime directive kind of first contact stuff. But I'm also like, it's like, you, it's kind of like with the Fast and the Furious where it's like, well, you got to go to space now because what the fuck else are you going to do? You know, like this feels kind of like that. I think, I mean, one thing, these two episodes are really different than the previous seven though, right? Each of the previous seven sort of hit on a, an emotional theme as well, right? Much more strongly like us, uh, you know, what, what does identity mean? What are, you know, what is, mm-hmm. what does it mean to be corporeal? What does it mean to be a, an intelligent spacecraft so it's a it is a shift and it's i think it's a shift in the direction of the overarching plot of the season which is the the dma anomaly and the you know the you know the re- resolution of what is it you know, that that uh that that big picture so i i think that's the poker one i always struggle just because i'm like look just making like space versions of things kind of feels <laughs> lazy like oh space bar and space poker and you're like oh okay um it, i don't i don't know like i just i, I feel like there's got to be more interesting things out there than space poker it feels a little filler the, um dabo there's the, we have yeah. existing star trek right. unique games that have been played like dabo is one from star trek deep space saying i know anita you're not you haven't seen ds9 <laughs> it's fine i know what you're talking i know it's better I than know. 3d chess i mean let's <laughs> all agree <laughs> but what they could have done is they could have taken that game and made it like you know 
the the future iteration like because it's again it's 900 years in the future how would this game have evolved or yes, not yeah right? oh, like, to- because it's not like we don't have games that are centuries old that are still right. kind of what they were to- you know? uh, totally totally um anita i, I definitely I, I i agree um this the last two uh, uh, I, I feel like i say this every time um <laughs> i'm you're kind enough to to invite me back but i always try to aim to be on one of the ending podcasts so that there's more to say and then i always find my way onto these like episodes that are like not standalones and are kind of carrying the plot forward but there's not a lot of meat in these episodes and it's really frustrating and it's happened again there's not a lot to say but i give you the choice of which episode they i give them a list and they get to pick them and i and i constantly (laughs) pick the wrong one but um i have some things to say um i agree the 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 space poker although the cards were quite beautiful the way they brought them together and they're they were referencing aliens there from star trek beyond and i think the original series and i think there was a cardassian or something that they're referencing that's cool um one problem i had with that episode this really really uh speaking of ds9 um angered me it's the first time we're seeing a changeling one of these shape-shifting aliens okay here we go i know you. I was you know excited. Where yeah I, I, I can't yeah. wait so i was excited right that um this is the first time we're seeing an alien that we haven't seen since star trek deep space nine and so anita the um the the changeling aliens are you familiar with them at all and they're they're back okay so the long story short, they were tormented, hunted, killed, bullied by what they refer to as solids, as um, uh, organic life that can't change its form. Um, people saw them as really um, untrustworthy. There was a lot of xenophobia towards these uh, changelings. And so they're sort of the the main story behind the Dominion and the war that breaks out, that they created all these uh, genetic life forms that wouldn't betray them um, to kind of protect themselves. And, and, and so they're, you know, they're, they're the bad guys of Deep Space Nine, but you also get where they're coming from. Anyways, this is the first time we're seeing them since Deep Space Nine. It's 100 years into the future. And the first time we see a changeling, it's the same trope. It's an untrustworthy criminal changeling. And that was kind of disappointing to me. I'm sure there's other changelings out there, but this is the first time we're seeing a changeling. And um, I compare that to the Federation president that um, has some Cardassian ancestry, so, which is really cool that the president of the Federation has ancestry of a, a species that was considered to be an enemy of the Federation. Love it. Love it. But did you have to make the changeling the same trope that they were persecuted for? You know, that was, that annoyed me. Yeah, I didn't know any of that backstory, actually. Uh, well, because I didn't watch Deep Space Nine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know what's funny about that is I when they started doing the... Okay, this episode kind of sucked, let's be honest. The um, <laughs> Well, and I'm just, I feel like my our listeners are going to be like, but you liked the other ones, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I did." Like, I loved all the shit around Zora becoming oh, sentient yeah. oh, and like so the conversation good. about that. I feel like this season had a bunch of those like Star Trekky moments. Yes, yes. I'm just like, ah, oh, feelings and diplomacy yes. and the difficulties <laughs> of engaging with other people. Um, so I just want to call myself out. But this episode felt 
it wasn't bad. I didn't hate it or anything. I just, it, it, you know, like it was a little cheesy to me. But that said, is that changeling character, I remember when they were going to find whoever the, um, what is it? The thief or the, yeah, they're looking for cheaters. That's what they called them. Um, the eye signaling, they're like, oh, they're, they're, you know, signaling with their eyes. And I was like, is that racist? <laughs> you mm. know, like, I was like, is that just how these care, how this like species is? I remember feeling a little bit off about like that. And I don't know, like it might be related to this larger feeling of like, why are the changelings the ones that are being like criminalized in this context? And, you know, it's like, it's almost as you, as you describe it, it's almost like being saying like, um, women use their sexuality to like, you know, trick their way into, you know, such and such, whatever. Right. Or, I mean, a lot of the, um, the transphobia that, that we've seen, mm. like there's, there's so many layers. That's why I think the changeling story is so beautiful, but here I thought it was done in, in such a lazy way that that just doesn't work after the episode before. I mean, the episode before was one of those Hilton conference center get everyone together, let's talk about our problems, things that I just, like, eat up. That was my, that was always my favorite part of Next Generation. Like, oh, yeah, a bunch of people in the room talking out their problems. I am here for this. And yeah. then this was the next episode, and I was like, ugh, okay. Yeah. Um, okay, one of, another thing here is, um, Awosukun's name is Joanne. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so when she goes into the ring and like Michael's doing her weird like Joanne, oh wow, a Wolsukun, and you're like, what the fuck is happening? And her name's Joanne. That's her. A Wolsukun was her last name. Do we know this? I don't. Did they decide her name was Joanne in this episode? Who the fuck wrote that? Why? <laughs> what? Come on. That's got to be in the show bible, right? It's I mean, got to be, be right. Yeah. But I, I, it's the first time I remember hearing her first name. And Same. also, I feel like it's the show did another thing where they're like, we should we didn't get any backstory on the other bridge characters. Like, we mm. still don't really know anything about any of them. And I was like, cool, she's going on an away mission with Michael and like there's going to be bonding and whatever. And all we know is that she's a good fighter. Like, that's not, yeah, that's not character development, you know? It's no shirtless Sulu for sure. I mean, it, it was awesome yeah. to watch. Don't get me wrong, no but like, it's not. <laughs> yeah. Um. That that is um. Yeah. That is a weird thing about Discovery that we don't really get to know the um. I don't even know if they're senior staff, but um the the peeps on the bridge, uh they don't really have like mission briefings. They don't have the traditional stuff that that shows you more of who these characters are. You get a lot of looks like this bridge crew. They've got the looks down, like mm -hmm. the dramatic look, the subtly like sexual look, the are we going to make this look, the oh, we got this look. They got those down. Which but. totally, which makes you think that we know them. Yeah. But we don't. Yeah, we don't. Like, we don't. Yeah. We don't. Like, what do you know about Detmer? Do you even know which one she is? Yes. You know, like I just the, the, yeah, she's the pilot, right? Yeah, the hair on one yeah, side. That's it, but that's it. She's the hair one. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Okay, some things I thought were cute in this episode was when Hugh was cleaning because he's so fucking stressed out. Oh yeah, and um, and just their, you know, I think their relation. Well, I don't think the two of them have the greatest chemistry. Chemistry. I still like their relationship and the existence of their relationship. And so the whole conversation around like. 
It is totally unreasonable to bear the responsibility for everyone's well-being yeah. and to take responsibility yes. for all that. Like, you know, even though he, you know, to internalize that, I really like the, and you brought this up, Ali, before of like the the burden on caregivers and the burden on therapists and like, you know, it's this isn't a Voyager situation, but, you know, he is kind of singularly responsible and like understands um, in a way that someone else might not. So I thought that was really nice to show him like kind of crawling up the walls a little bit. here. Yeah, they 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 don't have a lot of chemistry, but they have a lot of affection, which I buy. Like I I don't I don't buy the chemistry. I completely buy the affection and the compassion and care for one another. Um, that I think has been has been solid, and I just I I, I do enjoy seeing them be with each other and support each other. Yeah. Um, okay. Another thing I liked was um, I love when they give uh, Sonequa Martin Green like stuff to do other than be like compassionate mm. she's really good at being compassionate you know you're just like oh yeah but like when she gets to play a little it's always fun and so when they're actually when they are playing poker and she's like how are things going in the intimidation industry and just like, <laughs> like being really over the top and then her she just like just a little one just a just a baby bet you're like, she's hilarious. and i would love like season because I do, I love Book and Michael. I would love season five to be like, what were they called? Glowworm and Fright Hook. Like mm. just the, like they're like in between years, right? Where they were like the outlaw years. I think that, or just an app, just a throwback episode even of just the two of them, like, you know, doing it in space and like being like Bonnie and Clyde. <laughs> like, that'd be fucking dope. I'm sure that fan fiction exists. I just need to go. Oh, there's probably so much fan of it. fiction. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So you know, like they do this thing and whatever, whatever, and they try to. It's fine. Okay. So we go into episode nine. Oh, can I? And, can I say? Oh, yeah. Um, before we move on, um, who? Um, I'm forgetting the name of the actor who's playing. Who's playing the dude that wants to get back to his own timeline or his own unit? Tarka. Yeah, that actor. He is so good at playing like punchable characters. Like, um, <laughs> I just started watching The Expanse, and um, is he in The Expanse? He he's in the first few seasons of Expanse, and also plays a very <laughs> similar punchable character. <laughs> um, he is he's so good in that role of um, it's it's a it's a very specific niche of thinking he's on your side but has ulterior motives and you just want to punch him like this is this is your go-to guy um so wonderful job um person who's doing that yeah so okay about tarka um i forgot about his whole i want to go see my lover in another universe or whatever alter Whatever I don't know, it's folding the time yeah, and space. Whatever it's wibbly wobbly. Uh, like, <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that, and I feel like that is—is is that just me? Is there any? Do, do are we feeling feelings for him about wanting to go meet his lover in another time? Okay, so they're just not doing a a great job at. Um, I don't know. They're. Just, I don't think they're doing a good good enough job to get us to like feel that tension that I think would be more dramatic in this moment. That I mean, that's been a challenge. Even right, it was the challenge of uh, the first Star Trek 
movie too, right? With uh, Nero. And you're like, are you supposed to sympathize with the character he's trying to go back to his family? Or it's never it's never worked well for Star Trek. I feel like when they tried that, they have a reason for it. Uh, it was the generations as well, right? The same thing with the getting back to the Nexus. Um, kind of it's it's a, it's a tough one to really be like, oh, I totally get where you're coming from. You just gotta get back to your family, I guess, or loved ones. Yeah, and also like it's like te- for, it's been ten. He's like it's been ten years, and I lost my lover, and I like I've been working to get. But I don't know. I'm just like all right. If, so, if everyone lost people, man, chill out. I don't know. Is that like, <laughs> fucking? <laughs> well, I mean, that's I what I mean. Booker Book lost his entire yeah. fucking planet. Yeah. yeah. Come on. Yeah, and um, yeah, that's why um, yeah. the episode before last, which is what I'm going to do, Anita, I'm going to talk about the episode I wish I was on uh, to okay, discuss. <laughs> what what was so amazing about that episode is like here is this quadrant or the alpha and beta quadrant or gamma. Like everyone's here. I think there's delta quadrant. The whole galaxy is in this Hilton Conference Center. And what's cool <laughs> is... They've they've all gone through the um, being disconnected from each other in such a deep way. And it's what some of us may have experienced and what some of us are waiting to experience are these reconnections that we haven't been able to have because of COVID. And it, it, it's kind of moving to see these people come together and to know all the hard work that kind of went into it. And I loved that. And then here is this uh, Tarka dude who kind of appears out of nowhere. Um, we don't really have any connection uh, to him, his universe, his timeline. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really feel much for him. And I, I think the, one of the, uh, the dirty secrets of Star Trek is Star Trek doesn't do villains well. It doesn't. Yeah, I know. We've got Khan. Great. Like, can you name two I mean, others? Borg is a pretty good villain. Who's a good villain? The, Bo- the Borg uh, but, is a pretty good villain. But they're like a collective Lord, species. Yes, yes. Cardassians, <laughs> Borg, sure. They worked well, but yeah. So you've got Ducat, who was really developed over like seasons and seasons. Um, but you, you don't have a ton of good villains. What, what Star Trek really does well is like these ideas and these like um, antagonist forces that are that are maybe... Um, larger forces, but not really spe- specific individuals. And and whenever Star Trek really tries hard to do these, I don't know. It, it kind of ends up failing, like often. I find. Well, oh, hold on. Let me clarify. So, are you are you saying that they fail at doing individual villains, or they fail at doing larger systemic like systems that are harmful? I, I think they fail more often doing like singular specific villains. I think systems are done in a more interesting way with Star Trek. Like um, I was talking about changelings before, like that whole idea and the species, super interesting. The Borg, super interesting. I, I think one exception we do have is Dukat and the Cardassians. Like the, they are really well done, but I don't think Star Trek Voyager really had many compelling villains. I, I'd say the same thing about most of the series. And, star- and if I remember, like Voyager was a lot of random. Vi- yeah. Like it was just, they just kept like encountering people who were a little bit hostile, you know? Um, and, and also because Star Trek is so monoculture and historically has been really bad about monoculture. Um, but uh, I think I like, 
Oh, that was a good, interesting point, though. I mean, it's interesting because we're saying the Borg and the Cardassians. Those actually represent sort of, right, the cultural clashes, though, as well. Klingons, Romulans, right? I mean, they're all kind of cultural clashes, which is, I agree with you, that, you know, the monoculture, but it's kind of an interesting point that the best enemies still, I don't know if you want to call them villains, um, right, are the, the ones that come from a, an opposing viewpoint of the world. And I, I think that there is something really interesting to, like, cultural clash, right? Because that is such a human experience of trying to engage with people who have just a totally different upbringing or different experience from you. But, you know, I wish it was done less monoculturally and less, you know, and, and, and then do you, is there a way that you find common ground? Like, that's kind of why I think um, Navarre is interesting, right? Mm. Where that, like... I'm glad we've gotten a little bit of insight into that. I hope we can get a little bit more because, you know, you are dealing with the Vulcans and the Romulans and you're like, yes, they are from the same people. And like, what does that mean in the future coming together? Speaking of Navarre, um, Saru and Trina's fucking romance <laughs> is adorable. Um, but I was like, oh, they're totally banging. And then this episode, Saru was like, all worried about... <laughs> Take like they haven't gotten of all this time they haven't gotten past this. They're just meditating. And, and she's like, "Do you want to go for a walk?" Meditating, man. It's the it's the dry humping of their cultures. <laughs> oh, and it was so. And speaking of modeling behavior, having Saru go to Hugh and be like, "Can I talk to you about something vulnerable?" <laughs> It was, so, it was so super. Sweet. It was super adorable. And for Hugh to just be like, "Go get it, buddy." <laughs> <laughs> they have these little moments that kind of pop out of nowhere that they just like squeeze into this otherwise like everything is ending story, which you know whatever. Um, so I thought that was sweet. I thought that was super um, relatable and super sweet. Yeah, and, and just so nice to see. Um, you know, like we're we're at this point in the show where we know our we know our principles really well. We might not know most most of the bridge crew, but we know we know Saru, we know Michael, and um, to see them um, to see them exploring their relationships more, or at least um, sexuality to some degree, um, and letting these characters be interested in other characters. I love that. Um, you know, that's something that. Um, is is really really rewarding, and I'm I'm thinking about other times where we've seen romances start to happen on Star Trek series. It seems like season three, four, or five is kind of when when that stuff starts to happen, and it's um it's nice it's nice to see more fully fleshed out characters. I was about to say more human characters, but they're not. Ooh. <laughs> Caught myself for it. Yeah, we don't know what Kelpian romance normally looks like, right? So yeah, yeah, I'm excited. A little kinky over there. Um, We had a guest on last this season, but uh, previous episodes. uh, Her name is Jessie Gender. She's a YouTuber, and she made a dope series about sex in Star Trek. Like it's like 45 minutes. I watched it in like 10 increments. Like I watched it in like five increment chunks. Um, but it's really good. It was really good and goes through the history of like, you know, sex and romance on Star Trek and also um oh my god, what's the creator's name? Gene Roddenberry. Gene Roddenberry and how his all of his 
stuff, which is very complicated. So mm. highly recommend that if you're interested in this. I need to watch um, that. Like now. Yeah, it's really, it's really good. Um, I thought there was something really sweet about Saru. Um, he brings up Sukal. Like they, you know, they keep bringing up characters that at least are acknowledging that we're not seeing these characters. So they bring up Sukal. They bring up Gray. Um, you know, and that sort of thing. But so around Sukal, like Sukal being worried about the anomaly and and Saru doesn't know how to comfort him through that. I thought there was something really sweet about like individual feelings don't matter, but they always matter, right? Like at least mm. a little nod to like it's the humanity, like the humanity. You know what I mean, though. The like. Yeah, now you're yeah the yeah the the collective, yeah yeah like it's individuals but not the that board make kind. up the collective. But not yeah yeah not the war <laughs> kind. <laughs> I mean, unless you're into that. Unless you're into that. Unless you're into that, I feel like once you become Borg, you're into it. You have right, to so. be. <laughs> <laughs> um. So the majority of episode nine is um this like standoff. Uh, you know, Michael figures out where. Book and Tarka go. They're cre- you know they're building this thing. <laughs> I have this frustration because I don't understand why there's only like two solutions presented. Mm. I've never been in a a room where we're making a difficult decision. And you're like it's two choices, A or B. You know, like it just very rarely in, in something this complex that it boils down to basically two like a, a vomit or a contact it right and no no like oh well, well more data no technical no nothing it's just like got two and i think that kind of makes it difficult when it's something this massive and complex right um you think yeah, about the a very good point you know it's super good every point. yeah and end of the world movie right there's like oh what if we do this what if we do that what if we do all these things well um, and i i feel like your point stands in terms of like these big power structures that have yeah. to make and institutions that have to make a choice um, versus individuals acting on impulse. And right. so if it was just two people who are like, it's got to be this or that, then that kind of makes more sense. But the fact that, you know, Michael is kind of representing all of the thinking behind all of the Federation at this point a- and not even just the Federation, like everyone who also isn't in the Federation. Do we have a, a room, a name for that room? Do we have a name for the that Hilton, Hilton conference, conference uh, room? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. like, what's the, what's the collective called there? What's that group of people called? Uh, I don't know. All I the think, peeps. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think it's just the, the Federation and the people, the Federation wants to be in the Federation. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, I, I did get a little bit emotional in this one. I was because, you know, I do think that the book and the Michael thing is really tough. And like Michael having to like potentially kill her partner is huge. And I think that they like, I you know, I got emotional like watching that and thinking about like, could you imagine being in that situation of like all of humanity versus the person I love like that? <laughs> you know, it's yeah. the train. It's the. Train car. Trolley. Trolley dilemma. Trolley. Trolley yes. problem. Thank you. It's but a trolley I, problem. But it's, it's an interesting but, point because this, I feel like this is the first time there were real stakes this season. I mean, yeah. all the other episodes were very informative and growing, but you kind of knew where they were going. It wasn't like Gray was not going to come back. You're right. Like, I mean, it was like, okay, low stakes. But this was the first time where you're like, they really could have to, right, confront each other or or end up, you know, destroying this thing or doing whatever, right? But that, that you were really faced with an actual consequence. I, I felt like this season. Yeah, I, I think the, the only other time I felt 
um, real intense stakes was with uh, Zora, the episode with Zora v. Stamets and the question of Zora's um, um, self-awareness and consciousness. Um, I did feel the stakes here. Um, I think this episode has a lot to say about trust. There are, with both uh, Michael and Book, there are forces around them that are really questioning their trust uh, and, and questioning whether they're going to be able to make this and whether questioning whether they can trust Michael and they can trust Book. Um, I thought that was that was really cool and in- interesting. It's this is leading us into this direction of um, of questions about power and of those who have power and those who do not and what's the best way to to address this. And I'm not sure. This is the problem with talking about episodes like this. Like that arc hasn't been resolved yet so i don't know what direction they're going in like are they giving the message of when you have great power like this the, the way you respond is through action or are they saying when there is this great powerful force do you respond with diplomacy do you respond with communication and empathy and trying to understand i agree that that binary is is a false binary here and you you probably actually need a combination of of both there. And I think this, this thing can, the story could have a lot to say about, about civil rights movements in our past and how do you fight oppressive systems? But I, I don't know where it's going and I don't know how to form an opinion about it because it's, it's so unresolved right now. Why did you pick this episode? I don't understand. <laughs> you, I, I gave know. you all the options. <laughs> I didn't know. I said a bit on the last episode to talk about Next Zora. Next time you watch an episode you love, you should be like, bounce someone off from me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I think that this is actually a really interesting point because especially in American politics, right, where the and where the show is being made, um, is very binary. Right. We look at historical conflict and we look at two sides. Right. We look at uh, when we look at um, the civil rights movement, it's often reduced to whether you were, uh, you know, believed in Malcolm X or you believed in Martin Luther King when that wasn't what was actually happening or the complicated Mm -hmm. like it was way more complicated than that. And we we do that today with like. Republican Democrat, right? Like those are the the distinctions. And if you live anywhere else, it's usually not that reductive. Like I grew up in Canada. We have a parliamentary system. Yes, there are two parties that are bigger than the others, but there is still a like a larger swath of perspectives that are being presented on a national stage. Where mm. here you pick green, uh, red or blue or whatever. What are the, you know, you you pick your sides. And it that's it. And I think it's a really good point of how like that is how we think about politics in America and how reductive that is because it's not actually how problem solving happens. Right. That's not actually like the, there's so much, so so many bigger boundary or so many bigger options and spaces around. It's, it's a topics. You, if you restructure that same episode and you put the, was it boronite? I don't remember the whatever chemical it was, thing. Is, that uh, sounds right. Isolinium? Is, is, oh, boron, is, boromite. Boromite? Yeah. Sure. Boromite. So the isolinium was combined with the boromite? No, no, no. Yeah. The isolinium is what they needed to power the device. The boromite is what the DMA is mining yeah. from planets. Got it. By the way, I hate DMA because I always want to say DNA. It's super, whoever named oh. that. 
I think DMA, but I think direct memory access because that's what I think about when I think of computers. So. <laughs> uh, but if you structure that and you put that earlier, right, the whole conversation in that Hilton conference room is about do we act sooner? Do we act later? Do we do two parallel paths, right? Mm. Like, how do we make that decision? It's a much more rich tapestry for them to actually have a dialogue. And I love the, I agree with you. I love the conference room, like hash it out, you know, kind of thing that, that represents again, the, you know, the variety of perspectives that a room like that would have norm in, in reality. So it's so interesting because they just come up with that, like as a, Oh, we can figure it out as we're right in the middle of the crisis that this is actually what they're doing. And okay. Now that we presented this third option, by the way, which we never told you about until this last minute. Right. right. But they just figured it out. Right. It was very cute when Zora was like, um, at some point says to, um, it was it was in episode eight. Zora says to Stamets that she'll do the tedious task because yeah. he's not worthy. Uh, like his his time is worth more or whatever. And I was like, I love you, Zora. You're the best. Zora's the best. <laughs> Zora's the best. Um, the end of this episode frustrated me. Uh, one, it was adorable oh. where they're like the ships and they're staring at each mm -hmm. other through the viewfinders, and you're just like, oh. But. As you watch Book walk forward and make the compromise, you know that Tarka is going to do the thing anyways. And so it was just that kind of like really obvious, like this is about to go down anyways, field felt um, frustrating to me. Yeah. You know, like I was like, give it to do it different. Stage it differently. Don't show us that that's where they're positioned or do something differently because you, you knew it had to happen because then what? Tarka is going to Tarka. And and what would have been more interesting, I think, potentially, is if they if they had to actually deal with first contact, yeah. not like, you know, like if if now it's going to be like an aggressive thing that's going to be complicated and bring up all of these different problems and what have you. But um, um, it would have been more interesting to me to watch them try to do first contact without being antagonistic, without having that aggression. Oh, you don't, right? I, because, I actually think it's, you just presented, I know I had considered until you said it, but like, there's almost a, a counterpoint, right? Which is, uh, we've never seen the Federation have to come from behind, mm -hmm. truly, in reaching out and compromise and diplomacy. Yes. Like, there's never been a point at which the, the, the Federation's the bad guy and is coming, uh, yeah, not truly, right? Not with the stakes this high, I guess. So it's kind of an interesting... Yes, but also the Federation isn't the bad guy, right? It was just like one person that did a thing. So, so the, the other people don't know that. But it doesn't matter. They yeah. don't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess maybe that is interesting, but... Um, Could be. I mean, we don't know where they're going to go because and I don't Allie picked the wrong episode. And so here I am. Because I was like, I just want to be on the episode with Allie, so... <laughs> So I think you actually back. wrote that like here. I literally yes, wrote that in my did. reply. I was yeah. like, I just that that was uh, uh, that was the highlight of my day because I felt my heart was so warm. Um, well, despite us having a boring episode, at least we all look good. Although I don't know why I look orange, but that's okay. I'm cosplaying uh, a, an orange alien. I, I think that is a fascinating direction. This this whole season could go is not only are the Federation. Um, less powerful but but so is everyone in that hilton conference room um or hilton conference center and <laughs> um, i don't i don't want to downplay the size of that that room um it was it was quite large you can host any event um 
all of these species are um, quite inferior when it comes to the technology that uh, compared to the D DMA. Um, we haven't even seen their weapons yet. So who who is this species? What are their, you know, will they, oh gosh. So will they just see us as insects? Like yeah. this is the thing about first contact. First contact on on our own planet has been, plagued with disaster every time it's happened because a certain group of humans doesn't see that other group of humans as um, as equals, as worthy of of respect and, and humanity and all of that. Um, so what's going to happen when whoever made this sees, um, sees us? It's clear that our most banned, bad, intense, horrible weapon did nothing, nothing to their technology. It was just like, you know, a little mosquito bite, a little annoyance, like mm -hmm. nothing happened. So um, what is going to cut through um, the differences between us and them? Stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if uh, this is dumb. I don't know, but whatever, it's late. I'm allowed, it's... it's Oh, no holds barred. Um, like, what if their technology, like, is really powerful on our side of the galaxy, but not on theirs, right? Like, maybe that's Ooh. the thing that they realized is could be, you know, I mean, that's probably stupid. But, you know, I wonder if there's, why are they coming? Or maybe their world is, their galaxy is so devastated. And that's why they're coming and mining from ours. Ours. You know what I mean? Ooh. And is a galaxy universe? I don't know. What is the quadrants? I yeah, I mean, there's a there's a finite space you can tra travel, though, right? So, I mean, it, it may, but I also think there's just a practical reason, right? Like, I wouldn't just, I mean, well, besides what we've done, you don't want to mine right next to your backyard, right? Like, I wouldn't want an oil <laughs> refinery in my backyard either. So, if I'm just going to destroy yeah. stuff that's like I don't consider that else. important, I'll just take whatever is farthest right, so I don't, yeah, notice it. Interesting. Um, one little stupid note that I made, which is so trivial. Um, you know when they um when uh, Trina comes over as the hologram to do hologram meditations with her lover. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I love that in order to make it remind us that it's a hologram, it like flickers. Yeah. And the Same whole time thought. I was thinking like, <laughs> is your tech that bad that it's flickering? <laughs> but it was, it's obviously for our use, our, but I still was like, come on. I I'm with you. I, I, I'm like, I know they did it for the audience, but it also, I'm like, really? Like, really we're going to, we got this, like, we can transmit this much data where your entire body and, like, audio is zero latency. And I can, I can't get the image to stay constant for every <laughs> I, I just kept being like, yeah. I like it. I like seeing tech <laughs> fail. One of my favorite things about the movie Looper is it, it was this near future where, like, the main characters don't have good cell reception all the time. And I loved that so much. One of the things that annoys me a lot about Star Trek is how the technology like never fails. So I'm I'm super on board with that. Um, but I don't think the technology was failing. I think it was just so that we would remember that it's I a hologram. Know. So like I think what you're talking about would be interesting. Is like what happens when it does stop working in the middle of which never happens. Which never happens. Yeah, like which the is equivalent of. Like that stupid program. I I, I I love a lot of this thirty second 
century, wherever we are in the timeline, I love a lot of the tech. I hate the programmable matter. I hate that the warp nacelles are just like floating there <laughs> and it like somehow gives them an advantage. I can't. I I, I, I hate it so much. It. You no, are I, with I love Ali. books. I, like, I love oh, books yeah. ship. I love how his ship just, just like reconfigures. What? Uh, just reconfigures whenever it yes. wants to. I love it. I love I, I love his ship. That future. <laughs> I love his ship. I love that it's like a Lego. That's cool. But like, why and do the work themselves? He put his hands in the dashboard and shit. That's cool just too. Like feel around. That's cool. I love that. I yeah. love and I love his um his his view screen. It's so mm. sexy. It's so it's so cool. I mean, what we're saying is we like the budget that this show has. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exciting it's not just it's just not just it's not just um ipads anymore you know yes yes um all right well despite this being a couple of fairly uninteresting episodes i'm glad you could be here late at night with your martinis and dogs and cats to enjoy this with me um okay we're gonna do a little wrap up so we do dumb ratings Yes. Uh, you rate out of whatever you want. <laughs> they could be bad tech, tech mm. failures, one out of 10 tech failures. <laughs> um, tell me where you came on each of these episodes or as the collective. Okay. Um, episode, uh, first episode, episode eight. Is that right? Yeah. I, I would say uh, just two out of seven Dragon Balls. Um, just <laughs> n- nowhere near my wish. Um and uh, I gotta think about episode. I, I liked episode nine more. I'm gonna get that one. I'm gonna say like we're close. We're like we're like a five out of seven. There's a lot of promise in there. I, I, it really depends on I think as as Ali was saying where we go next. There's a lot of potential in, in, in what they set up here. Um, and of course, uh, you know, Star Trek has kind of gone both ways, right? Sometimes it's amazing with that potential, and other times you're like, why isn't the year of hell and Voyager a whole season? I still don't know. Oh man, what? Yeah, that would have been that would have been something. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm gonna say yeah. So and and episode nine, both uh, both you rate. Um, how many Dragon Balls does does nine get? I I said f- five out of five out of seven Dragon Balls on that one for me. For both? Yeah. Okay. Uh, no, okay. Uh, two out of seven on the first one, and five out of seven on the two out of seven on Space Poker. Five out of seven on <laughs> on the attack on the DMA. So I'm rating mine in in terms of um, Hilton Conference Centers. So mm. I give um, I give episode eight um, uh, the Newark Airport Hilton <laughs> Conference Center. Uh, you know, it's it's there. Um, it's it's easy to get to, but you probably don't want to spend too many nights. Um, there's not much to 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 see around there. The food is questionable. Oh. Don't order the seafood. Um, and uh, the next episode, episode nine, um, I'm gonna say it's the um, the JFK Hilton Conference Center. Still an airport. Nothing to write home about. Um, but uh, you know, it's 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 larger. Uh, the Continental Breakfast is just a little bit higher quality. <laughs> I can't, I can't even match that. That's amazing. Um, 
What did, do you remember in one of these episodes, Detmer says something that's like a like a contemporary saying? It was like like my grandma used to say. Oh, needle needle in the haystack was that it? Yeah, needle in the haystack, which I (laughs) thought was hilarious in the dumbest way because you know how they always say old sayings and then they're like. And you're sitting there being like, why would you say that 900 years in the future? Right, so then right. she just adds the, like my gra- <laughs> like great grandma, you see, you're like, what the fuck? All right. So that said, I am giving episode eight. Um, six out of 10 needles in a haystack. It's a lot. Um, I liked, I liked, I was frustrated with Owowu, Owowu, but I'm like glad we got to see more of her. Um, you mean Joanne? Joanne? Are you talking about Joanne? <laughs> I'm talking about Joanne. <laughs> I'm talking about, oh, wow. You know? Oh, wow. Joanne? Oh, wow. And also, I just, I liked seeing Michael be a little, a little goofy. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then um, episode nine, I'll give, um, what did I give the other one? Six? Seven? Oh, I'm going to give this one seven and a half. I don't know, whatever, who cares? Seven and a half out of a hundred. Like, I don't, it doesn't matter. I like nine a little bit more. That's <laughs> like, so much more haystack. Yeah. Right, it's so much more haystack. I give it 700 needles <laughs> in a haystack, whatever that is. It was be- It was a little bit better. I'm, again, also, like, I did like the season more. I am um, curious to see where it goes. O- overall, as the season, I'm curious to see where we go with this, so. Um, and I do like the wild safari that's happening behind Bobak and his cats fighting. Yes, uh, Fantastic. Yeah. Are they fighting? <laughs> they're just two girls there, you know, just trying to establish dominance. That's all. They'll Aww. figure it out. Sure. They'll figure sure. it out. Just like um, yeah. Michael and Book. They'll figure yep. it out. Just like Michael and Book. Exactly. Like, there's only two options. Do they know that? You better teach them that there's <laughs> only two <laughs> options. All solutions. All problems have only two solutions. <laughs> uh okay y'all what um where can people find you what do you have anything to promote what do you want to what do you want to plug oh uh i I got nothing to promote um i love space still uh keep looking up and um keep looking up you can can find me at tweets out loud i don't know that's good right great tweets out loud i can't top space as the thing to promote <laughs> this uh, season has been about like how we you know grow emotionally and cope with so much i feel like it, it, you're, you're definitely topping it right now this is your moment um yeah so um i am uh, at alima two on social media just come come talk Come talk to me about Star Trek. Um, I have uh, the Psych Show on YouTube where I, I I make videos. They're still I sometimes do. They're coming. They're not as regular, but but I'm there. Um, but I just love. Come come talk to me about Star Trek wherever you are, and we'll have a happy day. Like me, who was like, I specifically want the episode with him because I want to hang out with him again. I'm talking about Star Trek, so. Oh. I guess I better keep doing this podcast. For our sake, yeah. this is the only place where we can <laughs> go. Just for the like once a year reunion, because we couldn't do this just for fun. Nobody no. does this just for fun. <laughs> right? You don't hang out just for fun. No, it has to be for work. If we can't turn it into content, why? <laughs> if you why called me and well, yeah, if you called me and was like, let's let's have a call at nine thirty p.m., I'd be like, go fuck yourself. That's never happening. <laughs> All right, everyone. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in.